Tip Manor. Hello, welcome to the Tip Manor podcast. Now today could be a bit of a ranty pod, so we need to we need to avoid that. But we have Triple J attack. We've got James, John, and Jack, and then Connor. You're kind of ruining the J theme that we had. I'm, I'm just coming on. up the rear. Okay. <laughs> what a great what a great start. Do you want to change your name to a name beginning with J? What would tickle your fancy? Uh, Jordan. Oh, that's a bit. I was going. I was going to say yeah. Jason. I think you yeah. see Jason. 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 No, that just reminds me of the serial killer Jason. Really? For me, it's yeah, a like... Power Ranger, the Red Ranger, Jason. No, Don, oh, I don't want to be Don red. Don. I don't want to be associated with red. Okay. True no, that. No, 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 no. All Keep right. Away from red. Anyway, no dinner chat tonight. Let's get. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about. Quickly, probably summarise the Peterborough game, given it's it's been a while. Uh, Jack and John were at the Burton game last night, freezing their toes or whatever off. Um, <laughs> we'll wrap up what's gone on around League One over the two game weeks that we've just had. We'll preview Sunderland and Wimbledon. We kind of forgot to preview Burton, didn't we? I think on the last pod. I guess we just didn't know when we were having the next one. So there you go. And then um, we'll have a wrap up at the end and give a couple of shout outs out. I'm conscious, actually. I asked a few questions on the the pod account at one point, and we got a load of good responses. And I've forgotten to consolidate those down and get ready to dish them back out. But oh well, we can move on from there. Um, not much news, so we're, it's not going to warrant the non illegal uh, news intro. But Jack, there was a couple <laughs> of things going on <laughs> around the um, around the academy and youth setup. Yeah, I think. Just a, a brief summary of it. The um, the youth team league kind of finishes around now and kind of then restarts again. So we've decided that all the second year scholars who are up for pro contracts will go out on loan to play, quote, men's football. And then we'll beef up the youth team with the under 16. So a few of the kind of players who featured on the bench or played a few games have gone out on loan. I think Fabio Lopez has gone out today. Um, to Rushton Diamonds or the, the Phoenix Club of Rushton Diamonds. Um, the likes of Nico Jones, etc. will be going out as well. So it's quite good because I think we've seen that those lads who've been at Oxford City um, who came back and played in the Senior Cup game the other week got good reviews. So I think it makes sense to get young lads out and play men's football and then hopefully um, we can gain from it in the future. It certainly helps Shandon Baptiste. Yeah, Nico Jones. Uh, yeah, it'll be good to see how he does in men's football rather than based. You know, he's currently focusing all his effort on trivia. I imagine still, if that's still a thing with, <laughs> with Faz. But yeah, Rushton Diamonds is an interesting one as well, isn't it? That's been a yeah. haven't heard that for a while. But I remember going to their ground. It was definitely around Christmas at some point, only for a game to get called off. That's, that's exactly. That I was to I was going to say that. I was definitely going to that game as well. I was with my dad. I was in the car. I remember yeah. it like it was yesterday, just hearing it on the radio and going, ah, oh, okay. So we just turn around at this junction, <laughs> just go straight back home again. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I think it'd be a good move for Fabio Lopez though, because I think the lad's got a bit of talent. So it'd be nice to see him playing some, some men's football. What about Spazoff? Isn't he up and coming? Superstar. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, he's just back from injury, so whether they'll keep him playing in the youths to build his fitness, I'm not sure. But yeah, there's a lot of talent in that group. It'll be interesting to see how many are kept on for next season. Yeah, 
Other news from today, Simon Grayson's departed from Blackpool. John, you were making some good points before we just started around this decision being a bit bizarre. Well, this was literally this afternoon and it it is the club releasing him from his contract and we put you only two games back how many players they brought in on loan or, or permanently to then get rid of a manager two games after that. You made probably made a lot of promises to these guys and then to do that seems very weird so there must be something going on there and if I was Blackpool I'd keep Grayson like you know what you're going to get with him uh if he turned up at Oxford for whatever reason I wouldn't probably wouldn't be ecstatic but I would know that he was a he's a guarantee in in a degree so I think that's a bit of an odd decision that yeah odd one right on to the football ah so Peterborough so they were on a oh, run do, of, um, yeah, I know, do, I know. Do, do, do we have to do this? We have to do it. We ha- Connor, you should be, you know, you were the one that was saying this was going to happen. You should be kind of in a weird way. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not <laughs> at all, lad. I mean, I'm not being funny. I did I did say to my, my mate who came and sat and watched it with me, I said to him, well, I did tell them on the podcast that we're going to lose. And then I kind of thought, yeah, but I didn't predict this badly. Yeah. But you can't you kind of say uh, it to like stop it from happening, don't you? In a way. Yeah, yeah. So, but go ahead, mate. Anyway. Go on. Just, just they were on a <laughs> they were on a run of uh, zero wins in six before starting their latest run of good form. Uh, so that was kind of over um, kind of December into January. They were really really struggling. They were bottling it to a to a degree. Doncaster smashed them three nil at London Road or whatever it's called paint surprise stadium or whatever um but yeah they've they since before coming in to play us they battered Wickham 4-0 beating Rotherham beating Accrington away and then smashed Ipswich as we as we knew so you know it was a dangerous time to be playing them 4-0 is actually a result that they seem to be pretty fond of as you know as fond as I am of frequent score lines to talk about um three changes from the Newcastle game for us in came Moose Henry and Taylor for more Mackie in Holland. We I think we called the eleven on the Tut Manor account, but I think the only change we had was we thought Henry might be back in that kind of right wing role given how well Sykes was playing in the middle of the park. But I think the lineup again, John, fair to say that we're pretty happy with that in terms of having a comment. Yeah, I think on the Yorkshire Yellows group everyone seemed pretty positive. Yeah, definitely. But the the surprise you mentioned about Sykes and Henry was I would have I would have definitely had Henry out on the right, but actually it does have its its merits to sort of interchange those two quite quite well. So yeah, it's good. It was all good. Yeah, first half. Not to go into too much detail, but we actually started. And Connor, back me up on this if you if you want. But I thought we started pretty well. Very, our possession was kind of purposeful, playing it around at the back. But draw they were pressing so high, they were kind of coming onto us. Therefore, it was creating space elsewhere. And both teams were pressing high, but we were playing pretty effectively. Didn't seemed to be under yeah, I guess they weren't causing us too many problems um, but I guess that what that was probably the first 20-25 minutes but I was reasonably happy that actually this wasn't going to be a bad day at that point yeah I think um, Dick, Dickie saw quite a lot of the ball didn't he during that during that period yeah he was doing the thing where he kind of takes it brings it out a little bit but I, I felt at that point in the game, we were playing through the lines and that's something that seemed to dissolve um, once Peterborough took the lead and they, they took the lead in, what, the 30th, 35th minute or something. 
Brannigan decided to do something that was just bizarre. And KR did dig him out afterwards. And, you know, Brannigan admittedly put his hand up at half time when he came in, apparently. But he just played a, a pretty nice kind of through ball to <laughs> Peterborough. Um, they eventually played through Dembele, who looked a very tidy little player. And um, he just ran through and beat Eastwood. Um, I thought Dickey was caught kind of similarly flat-footed to how he was caught out at Rotherham. Do you remember Rotherham's second goal where it was like punted from their own half over everyone's head and Dickey was kind of not sideways on and then they just kind of ran on and lobbed eastward. It was I like think, similar. Uh, I think the only defence I have against that is in the the vein that the, the goal came from. You know, we're in possession of the ball. Brannigan's in possession of the ball. You're not expecting a defender to be on his toes like and getting his body shape right necessarily when we're in possession of the ball. And I think the fact that Brannigan gave it away so quickly and they turned on us you know, straight away and sucked the ball through. Yeah. It was almost like he didn't have time to react to it. Um, and again, we're just, it's the same with, with um, the Burton game as well. We're just the architects of our own downfall at the moment. It just seems that there's quite a few more, mis- quite a few mistakes, like individual mistakes that are happening um, that cost us. And it's something that wasn't happening sort of during our, our good, our good run this season. There, look, there looked to be a moment there where Brannigan had a bit of time to have potentially played the ball more forward or to an automatic run of a player going down the line. And that seemed to become a theme of there wasn't an out ball forward, which Peterborough always seemed to have. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the first half in gen- general, like as I said, when after they got that goal, we kind of fell apart for the remaining 10 minutes of the half. We were lucky to kind of go in one nil down. There was a hilarious kind of passage of play where we had like three chances cleared off the line within about 10 seconds or something like that. So we seemed to be get away with it. And I think we were happy to get in. Um, it was interesting having Mackie, sorry, Mackie, having uh, Matty Taylor up top. And again, we were kind of avoiding the midfield and just punting the ball towards him and it wasn't sticking. So it ended up coming straight back at us, especially for the last kind of phase of that half. But Marcus Brown, again, um, a little bit. He had a mixed game in general. Um, kind of fell over quite a lot after soft challenges. To be fair, soft challenges isn't isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely he was targeted. Battered. He was definitely targeted. He, he was battered and he was getting frustrated. And it was kind of their approach to him was kind of working. Um, uh, it definitely Jerome worked. at one point. Yeah. yeah. Jerome on the on the commentary was saying how he kind of likes confidence. He likes the confidence that Brown can have on occasion, but not the arrogance that sometimes seems to set in. And he meet, he was referring to, you know, pot shots from all over the place when there was there are better options on. And we've all seen a little bit of that in in Mr. Brown um of late. But that is my top yeah. top bugbear about him is he taking taking shots from ridiculous places. But equally as well, if they're gonna double up on him or target him, then in theory this point will come up again and again. There should be space elsewhere that we should get the ball to and almost use him to drag other players out of the way. Yeah. Nathan Thompson. Sorry, go on, Jack. Sorry, he's he's one of those players as well that the opposition know if they kind of hit him early and he starts moaning or moaning at the ref, then that's him gone for the rest of the game. Um, Yeah. And... There's an argument to say, can we afford him to be kind of knocked out of the game inside of the first 30 minutes? Would he be better coming on against a tiring defence? Because 
as we were just saying, a kind of Brown that starts playing by himself and shooting from 30 yards and not looking up and generally moaning probably isn't that useful to the, to the team. I think it goes back to the, if you play him down the middle where he's always going to be closer towards the goal and you're playing maybe clumsier centre-backs or whatever who are going to be more reluctant to put in tackles. Yeah. Maybe that that is going to be you know maybe you would have been better suited there. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but he was on. He was very unlucky with a really good free kick from thirty or so yards out. The whistled wide, and then um, Nathan Thompson, kind of with a, a marked it as an orange carder just before half time, where it was really cynical foul, where he kind of lunged, did a little karate kick into into Brown. And I said on the WhatsApp, just get Thompson sent off, the <laughs> bastard. And, um, you know, as the second half started, um, obviously they scored again. It was annoying, actually, 56th minute. Sykes, we, we went down, um, we had a really good counter. Sykes ended up um, kind of pulling a header back across the goal um, and it hit, it went to Henry, but they kind of managed to um, block it all out and then countered, went down and then simple as you like. They, they got the goal. Tony tapped in from a, what was it? Sammy Smozik, however you were saying it last week, Connor. What's his name? Smoz, Smoz, Smodix? I think it's, Smoz, I think it's just Smozic or Smod, Smodix, something like that. The, Jerome said it very clearly, but I, 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 I don't know what it is. That's why he gets paid money to it's, say things. Yeah, it's just him. That bloke who, play, who plays, well, he has number nine on his shirt, but plays number 10 for Peterborough, who's on loan from Bristol City. I just refer to him as that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, Thompson, yeah, gets sent off for a foul on Marcus Brown just outside the box. Um, was that when, Jack, was that when you... the kit man got booked? Yeah, well, that's what I was yeah, about to ask. Right, oh, <laughs> Sorry. Jack, you're a man of football knowledge. Have you ever seen a, a kit man get booked before? <laughs> no, I don't think I have. Um, it was entertaining that bit, actually, wasn't it? I, uh, it, it threatened to go kind of Royal Rumble wrestling style. I thought we were going to see that go on for a lot longer, but um, Mackie didn't punch anyone, well, not noticeably. Um, <laughs> no, it's amazing. It was, yeah. I, uh, I'm still not sure what our kit man got booked for, actually. Considering all that was going on, I'm not sure why he got picked on. Well, I suppose KI was up, up in the uh, stands. Well, not, yeah. not that he would get into a ruck, but he would have been there as the, the force field. Um, so the kit man was like, right, I'm going to step up to the plate. This is my moment. And yeah. uh, just, got, just got a booking. I think yeah. I think maybe, I imagine it was probably some of the words or choice of language that he used that probably got him in the book, to be fair. Because for what it looked like, it didn't even seem, I didn't even see him involved in any of the little sort of shenanigans that was going on. He must have just shouted something at someone, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, yeah it was a, certainly an interesting one when uh, the ref walked over to him and I was like, as if he's booking our kit man. Like that's <laughs> That just looks so tin pot, doesn't it? Eastwood's distribution, Connor, did you notice any of that? Yeah, it was dodgy, <laughs> to, 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 to say the least. Um, and, that, I think... and that trend clearly carried on into Burton as well. Um, to, be, to be honest with you, I've actually... One of the trends I think we have noticed is actually since Archer's left, um, perhaps some of this distribution has, has cost us. I think Jordan Archer, one of the things you could praise him the most about was his distribution and, and his um, and his footwork, and his ability on the ball. Yeah. Um, and I think actually there were quite a few Oxford fans that were, that were quite critical of him and I thought he was, he was 
very good for us. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've I've kind of lost a little bit of confidence in Simon Eastwood in recent weeks. To be honest with you, I think this links back to something we'll talk about in a bit about the kind of obsession of playing it across the back four a bit. Uh, last night at Burton, which we'll touch on, I don't think they went back to Eastwood too many times, almost like they've either been told not to or that they don't trust his kicking, or at yeah. least he looks, he does look terrified with ball at feet, whereas Archer did look so composed. And it's never been a strength of Eastwood's game, to be honest. He's always been known for his shot stopping. His, his distribution from the ground is often not great. At Burton, you could hear him shouting like "forward, Rob, forward!" as in to, yeah. to Dicky. And all right, he got one on his left foot that was never fun if it's your wrong foot. But is there's yeah, there may be something there. Um, it's an interesting one with him, really, because you get the sense that we might be coming towards the end of him, probably for more from a contractual issue and moving back up north and that that kind of stuff. But I hope not, because as we've talked about in previous pods, he's he's got a hell of a lot of credit built up. But as we say, there's a bit of a trend trend there but it's not much we can do about it well, yeah. nothing we can do about it but um, you know what I mean so whilst we had a player advantage we didn't seem to take advantage of it and to be fair um, Peterborough's pressing continued on even whilst they had 10 men and they were still pressing right from the top um, rather than sitting back and then they got their just rewards near the end they, they had a free kick and it was just our luck that it wasn't well hit at all but Tony managed to get there um, just turn turn it past Eastwood, and then obviously they got that goal right at the end again from a counter. Clinical stuff from them, to be fair. We did have um, John. I think you were saying to me before the pod. The highlights seem to suggest that we had a load of chances, and it wasn't as one sided, maybe as it felt when you were watching it. Yeah, it didn't really present that we fundamentally got a bit of a bit of a lesson, and that Peterborough were very well organised pretty defined had a number of different plans to obviously press us but we were still trying to do the same things and ultimately they were playing much better football all round we just didn't have a plan b which we'll, we've talked about quite a few times but the highlights again were sort of yeah it gave us the impression there were a few chances and it was quite balanced obviously they had the mistakes that were made um but you didn't quite get that sense that you did from the write-ups from listening listen to people like yourselves that it was as much of a, a demolition job. Yeah. Ultimately, we're, we're playing a team that are probably going to be getting promoted automatically this season. Jack, do you think that's fair? Yeah, well, I mean, they won, was it 4-0 again last night? Um, yeah. They, they, they had their blip kind of, as you mentioned at the start, kind of into Christmas. And they've this year, they've just hit the, hit the ground absolutely flying. Yeah. Um, I think they had one of the best windows, to be honest. Um, the bloke from Bristol City is a class player. They signed a young, talented midfielder in Taylor from Barnet. I think yeah. they strengthened where they needed to strengthen. They can, and they could even afford to let Madison go. Um, yeah, they're going to be right in the mix for it. I think they're also the, the ultimate team up with Rotherham who can expose the weaknesses in how we play, which is to always try and look to play through the lines, which looks amazing when it comes off, but often takes three or four passes. When we get closed down, we're not able to play it over the top because it's basically, or play it long because it's playing long to Holland, Henry and Taylor, who, no no offence to them, are not, they're not Tony in terms of being able to physically win it as well. So 
I mean, there's particularly the gaps behind the fullbacks that we'll talk again at, in Burton. Um, so I think we, they were, I think they're them and Rotherham are the league leaders and the sort of teams we just don't know how to play against. Yeah. For the first time in a while, KR did go in pretty heavy in the post-match kind yeah. of wrap-up with Radio Oxford. He said, switched off in key areas, weak in tackles. First time he's had to lose it in the dressing room for a while is what he said. He specifically called out players as well. He mentioned Moose, Long, Brannigan. I think Brannigan had a lot of the kind of um, focus in terms of Radio Oxford saying that he wasn't on it for the whole game and something seems, whilst he hasn't got a clear injury, it just feels like something's up with this fitness that people can't really pinpoint. Um, but yeah, interesting, Connor, that he's, he's digging people out, but he was kind of doing it in a constructive way. And I'm guessing he's let the players know that that's what he was going to do in the dressing room <laughs> before he came out to the media. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's part and parcel of his job. You know, he he has to be able to stamp his authority on players who are not putting their weight. I mean, that's, for me, that's what a manager, that's part of a manager's job. I mean, obviously, he has to foster an environment where he feels comfortable to do that and it won't affect the players negatively in terms of like psychology, etc., and how that will then impact their performances. But there comes a certain time where individuals do need to kick up the backside and that goes in all cases of, of all walks of life so I think you know actually we have been playing poorly at times and individuals have been at fault so him sticking his neck on the line and actually you know giving them a, a bit is well within his right and I think actually uh, it's hopefully it'll prove to be a positive thing going forward yeah fans um, kind of bemoaning the board's ambition after the game really was frustrating me because looking at um, the actual squad, the starting 11, but then the squad in total that went into Peterborough, I was looking at that feeling extremely positive. And as I am most weeks, actually, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I can't be asked to listen to any more comments around the board's ambition, really. I think we've got a really competitive squad. I don't know if that's just my opinion. John, what are your thoughts on that? You don't have to agree with me. I absolutely 100% agree on... The squad, we, you know, on paper, we've got a really, really good team. Peterborough, for example, have got equally good squad, if not slightly better. I think it boils down to how we play in some games and some of the injuries that probably need to click. And Brannigan and Taylor's a good example. Now he's talking about how he actually, today, talking about how he feels a lot more better and a lot like he's going to get in a get in a run. But I think it does come come down to that plan B point against the better teams. I think, yeah. I think this squad will always be most of the teams that are sort of below us or in in and around us, but it just seems to be that teams have probably had a look at us for the better ones and can point holes. And that's the sort of thing that if we want to get top playoffs or or maybe sneak autos, but that's probably unlikely, you need to be able to compete against that or at least shut it out. At least shut it out. Yeah. I I think it is well. I would absolutely love us to have another right back to provide competition to Sam Long and probably another striker. And we know that's what the club were going for. But as others have said already, would we really want the third or fourth choice on a permanent contract going into, you know, like ideally we wait until the summer and you go for some, with a bit more time, you go for someone with a more long-term focus. So that's the, that's the other argument there. I mean, Jack Jack and I had a long conversation about how long is it, can Josh Ruffles really play 60 games before he probably gets injured or has to miss one? And 
So I suppose having said the squad is good on paper, I think you're absolutely right at the point about fullbacks. It's not the strongest in that front, but going forward and in the midfield, and particularly getting onto Aji in a bit, we're not in a we're not in a bad place whatsoever. I think there's just a little bit of frustration that the gaps we've got are the gaps we've had for the entire season. Mm. We knew in the summer yeah. we were going into with a, a, a fullback that would probably get recalled. Yeah, um, we were going into the season with uh, hoping a goal scorer in Taylor scored for us, hoping Mackie could stay fit enough to play regularly, and relying on Adji to come good. So the the gaps are the same as they were in August, but I think they're probably highlighted more when the results are not as good. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I agree. I think I think I think I said at the start of the season we'll have a flirt with the playoffs, and it'll be whether we can put a kind of two good runs together so we shall see yeah right ranty ranty rant rant let's uh, move on to Burton right so Burton actually I started to feel better about I, I was looking at their form like kind of midway through watching the game last night but their last 10 they've won five drawn three lost two their home form in their last six, they've won four. They, they'd won four in a row and then drawn their last two. So, you know, then no mugs at home whatsoever. And I wasn't really aware. No one was really talking about that going into the game. Um, we had two changes from the Peterborough game. Holland came in for Brown, who was obviously injured after being kicked 640 times. Kelly <laughs> came in for Gorin in the holding role. And Mackie was due to start, but um, had to help head down south after a a bereavement so thoughts go out to Mackie and his family but I guess Jack and John over to you maybe starting with Kelly in for Gorin in that holding role was that I guess that was a big talking point yeah it was and I think most of us certainly Jack and I were there having a lovely um half pint pub tour before the game because yeah. <laughs> I was driving so I couldn't go full pint before anyone accuses us of being a couple of soft lads but uh yeah we had a lovely <laughs> half pint tour and uh Brown Burton, including, but I've got to give them a shout out to these guys who were in um, one of the pubs on the way to the ground who were nailing Jaeger bombs like they were going out of fashion oh, pre class. Like the Jaeger bomb lads. Like, and it was, and they were doing, it was just seemed like unnecessary but, but great. But we thought we were going to miss the game, but then we saw them like in the heat of the action. So we had a chat with them as well, and they were just like Jaeger bombs in Oxford. That was what they were into. It was. Nice. Maybe, maybe chuckle. Great combination. Steering <laughs> off that tangent back to Kelly, like I think it made sense sense to me. Um and Jack, you were pretty similar with that, weren't you? Yeah, I think I um said some comment along the lines of oh, I'm quite confident now that I've seen that uh line up. Um, well, we'd had five. We'd, seen... we'd had five half pints at the time. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> we'd uh, we'd seen glimpses of Kelly, obviously against Newcastle. He came on and got involved. Uh, Peterborough, I think he got involved and he came on. So it was probably the right time to start it, especially with uh, Gorin being on the tightrope of the yellow card uh, suspension. But obviously, as we'll go on to discuss, it all uh, rather fell apart. Yeah, I mean, getting into the game, I mean, there wasn't in terms of instance to talk about in the first half, there wasn't a lot. But I think the thing we we touched on from outside was this point that Steve Kinnebra made that we seem to want to start every phase of the game 
back with the centre halves, and yeah. generally we we couldn't. Burton were, were a decent team. They they were drilled and quite playing in quite a traditional way. It was sort of balls into the channels. They were very tight on our front players, and there was a few moments where you know the ball would just ricochet to a fullback and they would just volley it up in the air. And it was and I'm not sure whether that was weather related or whether it was normal, but we did seem to want to to do that at times. Um, did you see that on the TV? Because we were sort of reasonably low. Was that evident as well? Yeah, for sure. I I, I did the, the first point around what Kinneborough was saying, though. Um, I was getting frustrated watching it, especially after Burton had taken the lead because you get you, it's kind of pointless possession when you're getting pressed, like Peterborough were pressing us early on first half. And, but they're bringing players out to you. So again, they're creating space. But Burton, once they took the lead, they weren't pressing our back four. So yeah. it's like, we're not, by playing the ball around, we're not drawing anyone to us. And yeah. therefore it's just kind of aimless possession. You might as well try and play through the lines, give the ball to Brannigan or it, Gorin and see and see what they can do. It was interesting because I watched the game and I was thinking the same thing. And I also thought this would be a perfect game for Shandon Baptiste. He'd be one of those players. Oh, that would, come on. I know, I know, but... It, <laughs> he's just one of those players who would try and break the lines and I felt like no one was doing that for for portions of the game Kelly um, had no he was struggling yeah. to find an out ball and we were just sort of R3 or Brannigan, Sykes and Henry were, were struggling they were, they were trying to be fluid and switch around and move but we just couldn't it felt like an early season early how we played it earlier in the season where we didn't quite know what each other was going to do yeah and it all felt a little bit clumsy yeah, um, and then Kelly went off, which was I think massively disappointing going forward. But he really wasn't particularly fulfilling the promise we we hoped really. But um, and then we got to the got to the goal, which was I mean it hadn't it wasn't necessarily felt like it was coming, but Edwards on the right wing was getting a lot of joy already, and Taylor was just sort of banged off it really, and um, and then it ball came in across and. Weirdly, though, we spent like a good thirty seconds after the goal arguing about whether it was. We thought Aikens had scored, but then it was given as a Dicky own goal. But we were like th- yeah. three meters away from the goal, and it just shows what you see from different angles. Well, you could see Dicky laying into Eastwood, and then Eastwood giving a bit of something back straight after the goal went in, as if it was Dicky. You know, he was upset. So I guessed it was an own goal from just yeah. that. But he wasn't the only one that was upset. one other thing on Kelly before he went off KR was absolutely you could hear on the footage like watching the game and listening in that KR was just screaming and Jerome was suggesting that was aimed at Kelly a lot of the time and it was too easy for for them to yeah so I actually we it looked like Kelly was getting brought off not knowing that there was an injury because of a tactical mix up you know they wanted to change it up because Burton were finding it too easy to play through midfield or Kelly wasn't able to get on the ball but then obviously it turned out there was a hamstring injury but the way KR was you know shouting instructions again and again and again you felt that it was actually a tactical switch but it ended up being an injury so yeah he he was um he was almost starting he played like starting to play up blind passes at at times so it I mean wouldn't wish an injury on anyone but it certainly wasn't working but I think credit to Burton and not enough credit for us to for playing how we normally do but second half um, we definitely came out of the blocks a lot better and, and Goring coming on to be fair whilst the booking was 
I mean, Jack, you said it within seconds of him coming on, like, right, <laughs> that's him out for the next two games. <laughs> but I thought he made a lot more difference. And Henry and Sykes switched as well. So you were seeing a lot more of the sort of the dynamism and the uh, Brannigan dictating a lot, a lot better. And then, um, but Burton also just retreated. They were a bit like Doncaster, who yeah. was soaking up, happy to soak up pressure. They weren't being a dirty, horrible team and playing for time, but they just, they didn't even seem to be sort of looking to massively do much, which I thought was quite striking because we we were playing really well, but they, they didn't seem to be sort of, it seemed to be a really, really deliberate tactical choice. And then, Even with that though, we didn't seem to, we weren't clinical. Like the final ball was missing for like most of the game. And I felt like Holland had more of the ball in this game than he did in any other match. Um, he just yeah. never, he, he beat his man maybe once or twice out of like 20 uh, you know, attempts type thing. And I, I think he still looked pretty, so he had an all right game, but at the same time, it was a little bit frustrating. We weren't more clinical. Yeah, I mean, Kinnenborough mentioned it a few times that he just looked extremely predictable when he was on the ball. Yeah. And I think that he wasn't wrong because he got dispossessed quite a few times when he came inside um, of his defender. You know, he, he, he didn't go down the outside of him enough times. Maybe it's because he was kind of shift onto his right foot. Um, but yeah, I thought he grew into the game a little bit in the second half, but particularly the first half, he was quite weak. Well, he, yeah. he was he was drift, able to drift past a man very easily, but we seem to sign another winger that's got zero interest in the touchline. But maybe <laughs> that's just a, <laughs> a, a bugbear of um of mine. Um, Henry hit one of his absolute crackers that just went wide. That was nearly the old the Henry of old, which was a proper moment where we all thought here we go this is going to be the first goal but then um but then mr mr Adji emerged jack do you want to do the uh Adji appreciation society <laughs> moment we've had a lively debate about Adji already on our uh, whatsapp group this evening but do you want to talk about uh danny boy's introduction yeah i think as i tried to uh so i think i tried to say last night he, he because he is quick he just gives the opposition something different to think about so it was kind of twofold in that it allowed Taylor to drop a little bit deeper and come look for the ball. And it also meant that Cam Brannigan suddenly found space and got on the ball more because Burton were naturally shifting two onto Adji because they knew he was quick and they couldn't afford to leave him in space. Um, so I think, you know, we've seen, we've used lots of words to describe him as kind of he's quite raw, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he, he does present something different for the opposition to think about. And I think his introduction last night did help us because it meant the key players got on the ball a lot more than they were doing. Yeah, the, yeah. the ball was being rotated so much quicker when he came on. And it's just simple things. like He just ran at a defender, a slight glance of his shoulder, and then was just taken out, which Taylor can't do that per se. So it, it definitely added something. And obviously it was a quality pass from, from Taylor. And then Adji, well... Yeah, to be fair, the second keeper nearly saved it, but it sort of took an eternity <laughs> to fall into the back of the net. <laughs> and then we had nobody stood in front of us, so it was like, are we just going to pile forward or are we just going to try and stand still? But On the pitch. Yeah, exactly. It was but it was a brilliant moment. And then he did his comedy sort of weird half celebration type of thing, <laughs> which <laughs> must have looked oh. even worse on TV than it <laughs> in terms of its awkwardness. But it is interesting. Taylor, you're right. That pass from Taylor was fantastic. And um, 
it's weird considering how Taylor was struggling to get involved in this game and at Peterborough for so long. How he came out of this game with a, a goal and a, an assist it was interesting. But one thing we haven't mentioned as well, Cam Brannigan, of all the players that you, we're looking for, when we're kind of struggling, 1-0 down, not being clinical, we're struggling to create kind of clear chances or even half chances. Um, he was the one that stepped up. Uh, you know, he he was the one that was kind of picking up the ball a bit more. He was the one driving forward. I felt like it was a real kind of leader leader's performance from him in that game. And I think if he hadn't have done that, we we would have really been struggling. It kind of brought the best out of more more of the team second half when we started to get on top. I, I think Gorin was massive yeah. to that, and I, I know I'm chairman of the Gorin Appreciation Society. Self appointed, <laughs> I know, but um, it, you definitely see Gorin was driving. Basically, Goring kept the ball from going back to the centre backs a lot as well. Um, so that's, but no, you're right. Brannigan definitely sort of he had space, and Jack mentioned it earlier. He, he all of a sudden had, had a lot more space in that that second half. Um, yeah. But should we have a rant about that goal? Oh, it's, I mean, it was. I mean, you you guys were watching it on TV. We we're in the stands. There was, well. I was going to say genuine anger. I mean, there is more to life, but it was, <laughs> it was, it just killed the momentum that we built. I mean, I was, I was assured we were going to go on to win that game once we scored, but that was, I mean, it was just aimlessly powered forward. It wasn't, well, I mean, it was, it wasn't a particularly sort of cutting counterattack type ball. Um, and then the player just good control, far too easy past Sam Long. Um, a lot of criticism of, of him, which, you know, I have to agree was, Fair enough, um, and the guy, yeah, good finish. But I mean, it must have looked, you know, Connor James on TV like even worse than it did yeah. down the other end from us in terms of defending. Go on, Connor, <laughs> let loose. I just, I just, I just, I was watching <laughs> the game, and in a flash of an eye, the ball hit the back of the net, and it was just so frustrating to watch how easy it was for them to literally turn the possession over so quick and then. Bang! Back of the net. It was and and I think Sam Long got. We talk about Dicky earlier about kind of in terms of his footing and, and you know wasn't on the right side etc. Sam Long barely put any attempt in to stop that player coming on the inside of him, and that's what frustrated me a, a lot. And I, I and I remember rightly, and I'm sorry for the profanities, but I put in the group chat. I just put fuck off, Sam Long. I was like, Aww. if that's the way you're going to defend, I was like, what's the point? It was, I was, I was quite critical of him. I'm not saying it wasn't necessarily just his fault because it wasn't, but it did frustrate me quite a lot that he he didn't even get anywhere near him. Um, it was just far, far too easy, and it was one of those get goals where we were, we were pressing, we were doing well. It was one of those goals. That I just think it was, it could have been easily avoided, and if it was avoided, I reckon we probably would have gone to win that game. Um, so yeah, it was frustrating, and I'm sorry, Sam Long, yeah. if I've dug you out too bad, but that was just my thoughts. I think a lot of people were were calling out that over the last few games he's really stepped up and has has really plugged a gap that we didn't think he was capable of plugging. But yeah, as we've all said, we were absolutely on top, and with a bit of kind of shrewd, just clinical defending we weren't we were probably going to go on and, and win that game 
Um, he it was actually just his positioning, and he got a bit flat footed and didn't expect the the guy to cut in, which was always the most dangerous thing that you could do. So, I think that's why there's such a critique. It's it's the fact that it should be relatively basic defending, and and that's the thing that KR said in the past is that Sam Long's the best tackler in the the whole squad type yeah. thing. Um, so it is a one off, and I think you know. I was I was furious, but everyone makes the odd mistake. It's just when it's at that end of the pitch and that close to your goal, it's it can yeah. be you know crucial. That's frustrating. I mean, I mean, Murphy was one of the best players on the pitch, and he's come from Rangers and he's just got a knee ligament injury, so it's kind of a rehab at Burton job and move on. But yeah, it was just just frustrating. They were you know we pushed back and we definitely lost five ten minutes of momentum after that, but then. Got to the end and uh, off the corner, Gorin Fair was brilliant recovery to get this back. And obviously, Dickie powers it in. And I think half of the thought Dickie had scored, and then Taylor got ahead and really great celebration. And it was kind of straight on with it to try and nick another one, but there just wasn't enough time really. Um, so it was just, I don't know, we'll, we'll get to where we, what we think about in, in the broader context, but. I mean, did you like um, Adam Slade's Chewbacca impression on his video? <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I was literally stood next to him, so I got Chewbacca in the ear. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so um, there we are, really. Um, Jack, you put down a few pointers from this game. Do you want to whip through them? Yeah, it's a, I think it kind of links to that first half, second half. Um, kind of paradox that we had. So Holland, we've touched on losing the ball quite a lot. One thing that really irks me about our system this season is that we don't seem to swap the wingers very often, even just for five minutes, you know, put Holland on the right rather than the left or, you know, vice yeah. versa. We don't seem to do that. Um, I, I, yeah, I touched on Taylor kind of came into the game in the second half. In the first half, um, there was just kind of almost a bit of a, tense kind of are we trying to take a risk and go for it or are we trying to keep the ball and I suppose after Peterborough and the kind of Brannigan mistake it's not surprising that players looked edgy on the ball um, but I suppose that's a risk with how Robertson wants them to play that we want, we like to pass the ball but eventually eventually there will be a mistake um, I had a little mini rant during the game this has been my favourite one of the season is how narrow our fullbacks are when we're attacking, um, there's almost this kind of gung-ho style approach where they're, they're both narrow and over the halfway line, leaving masses of space out wide, which teams like Peterborough do capitalise on. Uh, Burton weren't good enough to do it. Um, and just to me, it feels a little bit more risky. Now we're into game, what, 30 or whatever it is. Teams do know we do that. So It, it was a free do- pass for Burton all night. Yeah to know where there was space, just to run into or for Aikens to carry the ball out to. So, yeah, it, they yeah. couldn't exploit it, but it was like, if in doubt, there's going to be some space space in there. But it's clearly tactical, um, So and it has worked earlier in the season, but it's it must stick out like beyond the sore thumb now, really. Um, but, yeah, there we are. Um, Ford had a... A really good cameo when he came back on, and I think he could be a really interesting player going forward. And 
me and Jack both turned to each other when he delivered a, a corner and were like, that was a decent corner, wasn't it? <laughs> we were thinking of uh, thinking of you, James, with your uh, corner uh, obsession. Love a corner. But it was, you know, it was the, the sort of delivery that we've been missing all season. It was whipped with intention. Um, so that- it, it was weird first half. Kelly had a couple of corners and they looked awful. As in, they they kind of dropped down at the, the the near post and they both just went right the way across the goal twice. It was really bizarre. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but I just remember thinking that's a terrible corner. Oh look. That's a great. It just happened twice. It was strange. Yeah. So, I think looking ahead, we've got the challenge of Gorin in the most predictable thing ever was was booked and, and Kelly's gone. So, what what do people reckon about midfield for Saturday, Connor? Who? What would you do? Um, uh, I'd like to see George Thorne, um, but I imagine that will. Very much depend on his on his fitness levels. Um, I think we'll see him feature at some point, uh, but I don't I don't know if it will be for a full ninety minutes. Uh, it was interesting how um, I think Jerome mentioned, and also actually James, you mentioned it in the in the group chat as well during the Burton game about playing Massinho as a as a, a defensive midfield player and, and bringing in more. And that's obviously an option, yeah. but I'm against the opposition that that we're playing against. I I think I'd rather see George Thorne in there. Um, playing with Brannigan um, and and Sykes, I think for me, that's what I'd like to see, and and I'd like to see uh, Elliot Moore instead of Moose. Yeah, I, I think Fawn needs needs to start at some point, and if he is fit, give him a go. Yeah, there was a good um, Sky Sports interview. I don't know if any of you guys caught it. Uh, which was like two or three minutes long about George Fawn playing for free for us because he wants to, you know, obviously revive his career and stuff. But he was saying he's he's fit, raring to go, and it, it had cut cutbacks to pundits that you would, you know, well recognised pundits making comments on Fawn's performances at Derby in the past. It had cutbacks to Steve McLaren talking about what he thought Fawn was gonna, how Fawn was gonna progress in the game, and you know, he was he's been so highly thought of in his career. He, I think you're right against opposition like Sunderland. You need that pedigree and quality yeah. in the middle of the park, and maybe maybe he's the one. Yeah. I yeah, it'd be interesting because with the two games in su- such quick succession, will he be able to do both? Will we keep him for Wimbledon because they're normally quite physical and he's quite a big lad? Um, and on the on the Moose and Moore point, I reckon Moore will definitely play against Wimbledon. Just again for their physicality, um, but yeah, we're a little bit tight for that kind of central midfield holding role now because the Kelly and Gorin gone, um, Hanson not fit, Thorne not particularly fit. It'll it'll be an interesting 180 minutes across four days. Yeah. When's Brown back? Do we know? Is he no new news? I don't think. Yeah, I mean he's he obviously dictates. Because Henry will probably have to come into midfield now, and that's a good and a bad thing. Um, I mean, Ford. Well, who knows how fit he is, but he, he certainly had a very good twenty minutes. Um, I imagine he'll play a reasonable chunk of at least one of the games. Um, does Adji start, or does he get longer? I suppose is, is a is a variant. Um, again, a hot topic. Uh, let's quick fire on this, James. Do you? Uh, where would you? What would you do with Adji? Risk a start? No, I, I think KR played it pretty well. 
I think I think you start with Matt Taylor. You try and play the game to Matt Taylor's strengths as a clinical finisher, and you bring Aji on for for something different if if needed. I I still think Matty Taylor's got so much to offer, and, and that that goal against Burton's going to help him as well. Yeah, I I agree. Connor or Jack, would you either of you argue against or? I'm, I'm not arguing against you there. I completely agree with James. All right. Well, Adji, uh, I think. I mean, I, I think so he needs to. He needs to get a start at some point because he's an unorthodox in his style, and I think that lends to people not being quite sure what to to make of him. But there's so much. We certainly saw enough in the Burton game to see he can do stuff. Um, I, th- I, yeah, just on that, I think Mackey will start against Wimbledon, so Taylor will start against Sunderland. And we, I think we will see Aji play that kind of impact sub role up until a point that, say, the playoffs aren't doable, where we might kind of test him out for next season. Yeah. As much as I was singing his, his praises, I think until we see him start, we don't really know what he is. And can we risk starting him in what is a big, big game on Saturday? Probably not. Um, but to come off the bench with some newfound confidence, I think you know there is that threat there. I think I know what Andy would say. <laughs> to be fair, I, I think if he did start, you know, fair enough. He, I feel like he's done enough to earn it at the same time. So whilst I, I'd rather Taylor's there, who knows? Right. The only other, only other thing I had on this, KR in the game after, in the kind of, uh, in the media afterwards was the one thing I, I pulled out was that he was saying, we we looked angry second half like we looked like a team that were just frustrated and irritated and we were just relentless in our kind of that period of 15 minutes where we were dominating and he was saying why aren't we in that mood from the start and i think that resonated with a lot of fans um but that that's exactly right isn't it is that you should have that kind of that that attitude right from the beginning of the game and put the put the op- opponents under that pressure that we that we were doing then yeah, I think let's just finish. I think I think Burton deserved the credit for how they set out in the first half. Whether they just couldn't keep it up or you know genuinely changed tactics to what they did, to, well, it's not it's not clear. But I think they deserve a, a bit of credit as well as, as we saw earlier in the season when they obviously beat us. Yeah, I think that becomes a good point if we get six out of six from the next two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right, League One. Oh, just rattle through this. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think obviously we've just discussed a, a Saturday-Tuesday fixtures. Um, so we're going to do that for, for League One. But I'm just going to point out a few games and then we'll just have a little chat about any of the notable results instead of me rattling through a load of them. Um, so obviously on Saturday, I think one of the big, big stand-up results was um, Sunderland's 1-0 home win over Ipswich, um, which was led by... Chris Maguire's one uh, one to strike. Well, one to strike. It was a good goal um, on the eighty first minute. And I don't know if it's just me, gents, or do you kind of miss Chris Maguire a little bit? Oh, nah, every day. No, don't dwell on it. Move oh, on. I do. I miss <laughs> him. Of course, I miss him. No, I, don't I want to miss talk him. About I know you don't have to talk. About... Oh God, right? I've touched, no, my... I've touched no. a nerve there. Clearly, um, I think. <laughs> Um, another notable results, I guess, that were around us were Fleetwood's two-one um, victory over uh, Wimbledon, which was another 
relatively late goal with Paddy Madden scoring on the 81st minute. Um, obviously, Peterborough United beat... Oh, no, no, we won't mention that one. Um, uh, and then I think, finally, the, the Wickham <laughs> the uh, Wickham Wanderers 3-1 victory over um, Bristol Rovers was a big result for them as they obviously sort of halted their slip. Um, on to Tuesday night's games then. Um, funnily enough... Just quickly, you on, did sorry, have... Co- you did get... You got Coventry winning in the last minute at home to Bolton to keep their run going, and then Portsmouth oh, yeah. also kept their unbeaten or their winning run actually not even unbeaten their winning run going on Saturday, but obviously that came to an end last night, didn't it? Yeah, which was what I was going to jump to. So thanks, James. Sorry, thanks. For <laughs> thanks, you, you saved my back. Um, yeah, so Portsmouth obviously were were over overthrown by um, Coventry City on the. 84th minute, which was a, a, another relatively late goal. Um, and Coventry really are flying at the moment, aren't they? Um, yeah. Undefeated in undefeated in five. And they're, they're doing really well. Um, I think another one of the notable results, which is interesting, is um, Peterborough knocked four past Southend. Not that that's any surprise, given their opposition, but the fact that Peterborough keeps scoring this many goals is quite frightening, actually. And I think we said earlier um, that about Peterborough United's chances of, of going up this season. And I certainly tip them because I think they've got an incredibly strong squad. Um, other notable results in the league, uh, Sunderland's 3-0 victory over Rochdale. Uh, Maguire didn't get on the score sheet. Um, Wickham Wanderers fell to a, a 1-0 home loss to uh, Fleetwood Town. Um, so Fleetwood again doing uh, doing relatively well. and They've won their last three, uh, which, which sees them go above us um, I think another notable results on there uh, include um, uh, Doncaster Rovers that's the one I don't know why I was looking dead at it and I couldn't <laughs> say it uh, Doncaster Rovers 2-1 victory over Bolton um, I think in terms of the, the league table um, at the end of this end of these uh, the, the Saturday Tuesday fixtures we find ourselves down in 10th um, on, on 45 points and if you look at the the teams around us the only other team who looks like they're they're kind of slipping down a little bit are Ipswich poor their poor run of form where they haven't won in four um, I think Wickham have have lost three and five but they've they've nicked a few you know they've nicked a few wins in between that so other than other than uh, ourselves and Ipswich other teams around us look like they're kind of coming into a good good stead of form. I don't know what you you boys think about our league position at the moment. I, I put in the 2019. So we were the champions of League One through the calendar year of 2019, which I think we should get a, a reward for, a trophy potentially. Yeah, um, maybe. But we're in 2020. We're not doing so well, and we played what seven games. We're 18th in. If the season began. From January, we'd be 18th in the league, and guess what? South End would be above us, Oof. which is a it's it's a horrible, That's, horrible that was his, reality. That was Sol's plan all along. <laughs> Win the greatest mind in football. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, yeah, we were second in the league coming into you know at the turn of the year, and um, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. And a lot of people have been talking around from this point onwards. You probably need to be getting around 70 points to get into the playoffs, which correlates to like 1.6 points per game and that's that does start to sound actually quite difficult 
to do. Like you really need to be on. You can't really be that inconsistent to be doing that. As we, um, as we talked about on yeah. the last pod, these two games we've just played were the tricky ones. Well, all right, Sunderland is tricky at home, but I think we're, we're probably quite good at home. Um, but the ones after that are all in the winnable space. So I think we can have a panic in two, maybe three games. Um, yeah. Probably, well, like AFC Wimbledon at home, if we don't win that, then, you know, you probably don't deserve it. But I think what's slightly ominous looking at the table is all the teams beneath us, bar maybe Gillingham and Burton, are probably where you expect them to end up. So we're kind of bottom of the league of teams who might go up. But I think it can change pretty quickly. And we've got a game in hand as well. So um, yeah. there's potential there. Cool. We done, Connor? We are happy days. We're done. Well, not quite happy days, but relative, relatively, con- relatively concerned. Well, no, I don't know. Maybe I think I'm overreacting a little bit. I'm not. I'm not ultimately concerned um, in terms of where I think we'll finish. I do think we'll. I think we will put up a good fight to get in the playoffs still. But I, I just, I, I stand by my statement on the last podcast, which is there are a lot of teams around us who have very strong squads, and I think that will be the test going into the final couple of months of the season with the with the rotation available that I don't think we particularly have in certain areas. Yeah. I like John's point about let's see where we're at on the next pod and after after the next two games. I think it's going to be, yeah. be telling. I do think February is a big, big, big month. Season-defining month, probably. Right. And that was my nice lead into previews. Let's go. Right, Giacolini, Sunderland. Yeah, so Saturday sees us play Sunderland for the third time this season. Obviously, we drew at their place on the first day and then beat them on penalties uh, in the cup. I think Will Griggs' penalty is still on its way down. Um, hey. <laughs> lol. <laughs> um, bit of history. So, our last five games against Sunderland have all finished in draws, which means that we haven't actually lost to them since September 1998 when we got beat 7-0. Uh, that all sounds quite good, but we haven't actually beaten them in 90 minutes since 93-94 season, where we won 3-2 at Roker Park with uh, a certain Chrissy Allen scoring and a poor Moody getting a brace. Um, that's also the last time they won in Oxford. So there's quite a lot of stats here about no one's really won against each other for a long time. So are we are we due to break that? Um Connor touched on it in his League One wrap-up. They've come into this uh, one loss in their last 12, which was against Portsmouth a couple of weeks back. Um, If we take the last six games, they're they're fifth in the form table. Uh, They've only conceded twice during that time, but they're not scoring very many. They've only uh, only scored six in those last six games. Um, Mr Maguire's suddenly hit form, so he's scored five goals in his last 10 games. Uh, including the winner, or yeah, the winner of Ipswich, and then he got two assists last night. Um, is he is he starting for them consistently? Now? Yeah, he. Yeah. I think he had a little bit of an injury, but he seems to be back to his King Maguire status. Oh no! Um, he did go off with a dead leg last night, though, so maybe he might be missing. Um, January, they they did strengthen. Uh, at least in my opinion. So, Aidan McGeady and Dylan McGeoch both left, but they brought in Josh Scowen from Queen's Park Rangers. 
a central midfielder who used to play for Wickham, who's a very good player for this level. Um, they also made good use of the loan market. So they signed Bailey Wright, centre-back from Bristol City, and also Antoine Semenyo from Bristol City. Um, an interesting one, they, they signed Kyle Lafferty, who must be on uh, about his 50th club, giving Jefferson yeah. Louis a run for his money, from a team <laughs> called Sarpsborg. Um I have to confess, I've got no idea where they play. Or... Sarpsborg? Yeah. Wow. Kyle, Kyle Lafferty was at Palermo about two or three years ago, and their chairman, who's a bit eccentric and fires, fires managers every two weeks, described him as a crazy Irishman who has only interest in getting going up to Rome and chasing women, not in football. <laughs> it was wow. like... It was I, like mean, I can okay. relate to the crazy Irishman bit. Got his priorities um, set. He didn't last very long at Palermo, but Palermo likes sack four, four or five managers a season, so I'm sure players are like a revolving door anyway. But random, anyway. random Carl Lafty story. I'll shut up now. Norway. <laughs> Sarpsborg is in Norway. There you go. There we go. So he must be ticking Trivia. off his uh, European countries at the same time. Um, a few stats, because we all love a stat. Um, of their 30 games this season, half of them have seen both teams score. But uh, interestingly, this hasn't happened in the last seven games, which essentially means recently if Sunderland score, they win. And uh, when they don't... I mean, I was about to say when they don't score, they don't win. But that, I mean, that's just obvious, isn't it? Um, <laughs> if the league was based on away form only, they'd be ninth. So they're fairly tidy away from home. Um, they do have the meanest defence in the league, which was caught me by surprise. Um, they have had kind of six clean sheets out their last seven games so that's that's got a long way to it and just for you James their uh, most frequent score line is 1-1 which they've had seven <laughs> times this season In- including the game against us exactly yeah. um, in terms of their kind of style so the, the kind of switch to good form because we've got to remember it wasn't that long ago that they were calling for Parkinson to go so yeah. in true football fan style they're probably think he's the best thing since sliced bread now Sure. Um, the the they seem to be a new focus on switching the play quite a lot, getting it wide, getting crosses into the box. Uh, they've got Charlie Wyke who acts as the kind of central striker, who's you know at this level is a target man. Um, their midfield's very fluid, so they they generally play a three four three, but Denver Hume and Luco Nine play a kind of wing back role. Uh, Chris McGuire and Lyndon Gooch um, support Wyke, and I think as a kind of midfield four and the two wider players, they're all very interchangeable. Uh, The Rochdale manager after last night's game uh, described them as relentless and he made a point that their back four or back three um, kind of sat on the halfway line for a lot of the game. Um, So that, you know, if if Marcus Brown's fit, maybe we can capitalise on that because I do think they'll come and have a go on Saturday. Uh, Players to watch, we've mentioned Maguire. He seems to be back in form. Um, Lyndon Gooch, who scored twice last night, he's got nine goals and an assist from midfield. And then Bailey Wright, who they signed in the window, um, Australian centre-back, he's already being called the signing that could get us promoted by Sunderland fans, um, Uh forming a great partnership with Jordan Willis. Uh, He's played four games, they've kept three clean sheets. Um, He's a big threat in the air as well from set pieces. Um, So, yeah, I think it's going to be quite a nervy game um, obviously the draw last night probably puts a little bit more pressure on it for us and equally 
if we were to win, we'd go three points behind Sunderland with the game in hand. So yeah. there's a lot on it. Um, I do think we'll win. I think it'll be a proper nervy, scrappy late win. Um, probably 2-1 because we do look shaky at the back and I think they've got, they've got the ability to open us up a little bit. Um, Connor, what are you thinking? Uh, again, I'm relatively sceptical. Um, but just to lighten the mood, I'm going to go for a 2-1 home win. No idea why. <laughs> just... Just a hunch. Uh, John? I'm going to go 3-0. Uh, I, um, oh, okay. Yeah, Wait, none, of you expect, none, none of you were expecting that, were you? Um, I don't know. I've got a feeling that Henry and Taylor and Brannigan are kind of now got a few games in, get that rustiness out and could um, put it on. I think we like playing Sunderland as well. So, I'm just yeah, I'm just feeling 3-0. Go for it. Oh, I, lo- I like yeah, it. Yeah, confident. Uh, you're, kind of, you're, kind of, you're kind of ignoring all of Jack's preview about their clean sheets and all the... I know, the... I just thought... I didn't <laughs> want to... I, just thought, I, don't, I don't want to be like, oh, we're going to concede. I just, I just fancy you know, to have one. When we played them in that, that cup game, I thought they looked like they were they should be a league above us, in all honesty. And at Luke 09, when he came on, he just destroyed Sam Long. In a... Yeah. <laughs> so if, if he's now him. playing as a... Uh, if he's playing as like a, a wing back or a bit further up the pitch, then you know that's he's, Mr. Long's going to have his, his work cut out. I'm going to go for one all and be boring because uh. that's probably the most likely result. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> is that that? Should we move on to Wimbledon? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. A must win, John. Absolutely. I feel like I've got a less sexy preview to do after all that history and that Jack went through. But this is this is the game that was rearranged from January the 17th when we got Newcastle in the FA Cup. But even then we played them on 29th of December, I think it was. And Sykes got that lovely goal at the end after Baptiste's through ball. But since then, they've only won one game, which was beating Peterborough at home, which shows how weird this league is. Admittedly, it was during Peterborough's, Peterborough's off spell. Um, but they are in their usual position. They seem to be most years dicing with relegation, the 20th. Six points clear of Tranmere, to be fair. But form table there, 20th. Um, away from away from home, they're, they're not good. They've lost 11 out of 14. Um, generally looking at their shots, uh, sorry, their stats even, um, they don't get a lot of shots on target. Um, they don't average much possession, only kept five clean sheets. They make the most, keeper makes the most saves per game. So I think they're very much the team that we saw, you know, only seven seven games ago, really. Uh, they did draw with Ipswich last night, which Connor mentioned, um, which is a decent result. And they've got Rotherham on Saturday, so they'll be knuckling down for a, for a tough spell. Uh, January transfer window activity, can't say I'm particularly aware of any of these players. They've, they've brought in four or five players, um, mainly youngsters. Um, Sean McLaughlin from Ipswich, the young midfielder, uh, Michael Felivi, who is coming on loan from Watford, who's played once in the Premiership, who's a striker. A couple of the loan signings, and Ramsdale from Bournemouth, and not the goalkeeper, I'm assuming, and uh, Steve Seddon from Birmingham, another guy, Dylan Connolly. Uh, I think it's a mixture of adding a bit more youth into the squad, but they did lose um, their top scorer, Marcus Force, 
uh, to injury, so he's now back back at Brentford. So I think that's just a bit of I can't imagine it. It's a pretty tough sell to get players to go to a team that's twenty. Yeah. So I think they'll they'll be a bit, they're, they're mainly sort of under twenty three type players and who else is available. Uh, but in terms of their team, um, Joe Piggott remains a threat, and he scored against us in that last game. Max Sanders in centre mid seems to be getting quite a good write up um, on loan from Brighton, but they still tend to focus on a on a three five two, and it's it's likely to be a bit of a battle and um, stay in it as as last game really. And I think we just need to bide our time, as I think James you mentioned it. Mackey's definitely an option. Elliot Moore to come in. So um, I think the other thing to mention about AFC Wimbledon is they recently launched. Um, what's called the Plough Lane Bond. So they're about to move, well, they're about to, they've, they've built a new stadium, but they've run into financial challenges just when it's about to get completion. <laughs> There's a theme uh, emerging here. Um, but they've launched a bond which basically anybody can loan the club upwards of £1,000 over five, 10 years, choose what interest rate you get from sort of zero to 4%, and then it gets paid back over time but this is all to bridge the funding gap they need to finish off the stadium to move into it and um, it's quite innovative and i think it's one of the first times this sort of thing's been been done so hopefully that comes off and they can move to the um the new ground but, but yeah anyway predictions uh connor what do you reckon i desperately hope we batter them um because i can't stand wimbledon so i'm going to go three now Oh, don't don't you have a friend who supports Wimbledon, Connor? He's no longer my friend. <laughs> Out. <laughs> James? Uh, th- 4 nil. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I, they're just like... I, I feel it, I, uh, if we have a good... It's going to be interesting. If we beat Sunderland, confidence will be high. I'm really confident of a good win. So I know I've said we'll draw against Sunderland one all, but let, I'm just going to stick with 4 nil and be happy with that. Jack? Uh, I think we'll absolutely batter them one nil, <laughs> and I'm going to go for a one all draw. No, 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 oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Nil <laughs> nil. No, no, I think it'll be. Uh, I'd go for two one. I think they've. They all seem to have a goal in them, but um, yeah, I think we'll we'll win it relatively comfortably. And maybe just cause ourselves a bit of hassle towards the end. It will be horrible if this if if it's nil nil going into like seventy odd minutes and the fans have getting restless and blah. I just hope it's not one of them I think it's oh, I it's definitely a game for uh, for Danny Edge to come on when it's a bit stretched and well I guess they're going to yeah. sit back but definitely a game for him to, to make his mark I think he came through their um, yeah youth set up yeah he did very good shout and scored a lot of goals and got his move to Burnley so maybe yeah maybe it is set up for him to uh, come on and be the man yeah Right, let's wrap everything up. So before we we finish, we had um, a, a listener get in touch, Dominic Bertels, who is the Cambodian yellow, so he's travelling around Asia for six months on a career break. I think he messaged us asking if we could include any more stats in player comparisons and things like shots in the box, shots on target, expected goals, assists per player type thing. There isn't anything obvious out there. I don't. I, I haven't actually spoken to you guys about this, but I can't find anything, and I don't have the time to build a spreadsheet. So, guys, do any of you have the time to build a spreadsheet and maintain it over the course of the season? Definitely not. 
perhaps build a website to surface such data? I think the the man who seems to be the man for that is uh, is it Mark Wilkins on Twitter? Yeah, who runs the OFC chat. He seems to use a lot of data through a churning site called Tableau. So he 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 definitely seems to be stat man this season. Right. Well, maybe we'll we'll get in touch and see if he's got anything. You said Tableau, like he's getting his data out of that. I think he uses that to like manipulate it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, when we finally get a sponsorship offer we can maybe uh recruit mark, recruit mark as a full-time stats man um data analyst for the tip manor podcast but definitely another shout out for the fans chat that's um going great guns on a monday yeah loads of followers as well all just jumped on it which is great yeah and he bought andy wilmer he bought our our own andy a match pass for the the burton game yeah. on i follow which is nice and he also gave us a shout out as well on twitter so yeah, that was nice stuff. Right, sorry if it's been a bit whingy today. I kind of apologise for that, but uh, hopefully it's going to be a nice, positive pod next time around where we'll be uh, obviously talking about Sunderland and Wimbledon. But in the meantime, look after yourself, Oxford community, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, uh, those. <laughs>